We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football podcast, with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. the Oracle of the Action Network in Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Miami Dolphins. In between the NFL Combine and the Draft, I am interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat reporters, and 32 episodes. We are covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I'm joined by Antoine Staley. He's the managing editor for the Dolphins Wire for USA Today. In this episode, he talks with us about the team's recent roster moves, the skill position players on offense, and what the team might do with the number 11 overall pick. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show Antoine Staley of the Dolphins Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Antoine Staley, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on everything to do with the Miami Dolphins. Antoine, how's it going? Hey, how you doing? Good. It's a uh, it's a fantastic time of year here. Uh, you know, the combine was a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know we have now free agency. 
let's jump into it. The Dolphins have been very active in the free agency period. Uh, and let's start with the offensive line. Uh, so they released uh, Mike Pouncey. They added Josh Sitton and Daniel Kilgore. Uh, additionally, they're bringing back Jawan James. Uh, what do you think of this of this offensive line that is starting to solidify? Oh, it looks like it's improved. Uh, it's definitely on paper. Uh, you got Mike Pouncey, who I know the Dolphins brass said he was probably their best offensive lineman last year, but I, I never really thought so. I just thought that he, he was a bit – I thought he was decent, but I thought he was kind of a shell of himself. And I guess once they went back and looked at it on film, they felt the same way, which is part of the reason why they asked him to take a pay cut. But Pouncey refused, and, you know, he, they decided to go in a different direction as the center position. Uh, as far as sitting, I definitely think they've been they've needed a guard for years. Uh, definitely to solidify that guard position. And now you get a guy, I know he's 31 years old, but you get a guy that's proven, been to the Pro Bowl four times, and somebody that's going to be a stabilizer in that offensive line. So I think they're definitely a better offensive line than they, what they were on paper last year. So we'll, we'll see how it translates on the, on the field. But as of right now, at least that side of the ball is feel like it's better. Let's look at, at the other side. And obviously, uh, uh Kong Sue. Uh, was released, and he was a big free agent acquisition a few years ago. Uh, you wrote an article about it uh, highlighting that uh, the decision to release him was more of a business decision uh, and less related to his on-field performance. Um, what are your thoughts about how that defensive line is going to look without him? And then also, obviously, the team just uh, traded for Robert Quinn. What are your thoughts on that unit? Well, obviously, you lose your best – I thought their best player – couple of years and I mean there's no way to replace somebody like that but yeah as you said it's, it's pretty much a business decision it had nothing to do with uh, anything he did on the field it's just more or less they just wanted to go a different direction and wanted to, well, they felt like they could get more value for and more players for the money they're paying too which I, I can't blame them on that that end but as far as your question about how the defensive end is going to look I'm curious to see um, they definitely have Jordan, Jordan Phillips who uh, it's been kind of a nightmare at times. He looks good at times, and other times he just kind of—he's just another guy. Um, just to see how much he's going to elevate his game because he's always—he's he's always been inconsistent. I do—I do like Devin Gotcha and Vincent Taylor, but I don't know if I like them enough to want to definitely say they're legit starters in this league just yet. So I do imagine they're going to go out and maybe search and maybe address something, go get somebody on the defensive tackle front in free agency. So, yeah, but adding Robert Quinn definitely helps the pass rush. They were 26 in the league last year, despite having Cameron Wake have 10 and a half. But you didn't get a lot of other production on that end there. And that, it, also brought, well, it also brought William Hayes back, which I thought is also a big addition because he was their big, best one stopper out of anybody last year. And that, that's going to be a big addition to rotate all those guys and keep them fresh. And that should help them later on in, in the course, during the course of the game. You know, so the Dolphins have the number 11 pick in the first round. It is a pretty decent class for defensive tackles. I'm not sure if uh, the Dolphins would be interested in, in going with one that high, uh, or if there might be one who's pretty attractive available in the second round. But uh, what are your thoughts there? Do you think it's possible that they could look to address the position early in the draft? Uh, I probably, I probably more lean towards they're going to go on the offensive side of the ball in the draft, if possible. But I guess it all depends on who's going to be there, uh, and that's what it would have boils down to. If you playing both draft is about chicken, really. It's about who you think is going to be there. You have your draft board, who they, who they value so high. I, I'd be surprised if they took a defensive tackle that early 
to be completely honest with you. I see more or less other position they would take. I, I know a lot of people talked about quarterback. I don't know if that's going to be an option considering I think the top quarterbacks might might be golf the board at that point. But I do I don't I don't think they're going to take a defensive tackle that, that early. But it also depends on what else what else they do do our free days today. Well, let's talk about uh, the, the quarterback position because you you mentioned that that some people are wondering if they will take a quarterback whether uh, you know one of the the top four guys falls to number eleven. Do you you think it's um, outside of the realm of possibility, or do you think it's possible that they might trade up if a guy falls to like number eight or number nine, and they have the opportunity to move up a couple of spots to get a quarterback they really like? Uh, did you ask me do do I think they might trade up? Yeah, do you think that's possible? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely possible. Anytime, and I, I mentioned this to many people, if they feel like Baker Mayfield or somebody else is the guy, why not go get him? I know a lot of people don't want to talk about. You want to trade certain positions or certain spots in the draft and give up draft picks, but if that player works out and it's a home run, nobody nobody cares about that years later. You got players like Julio Jones was traded for, and the Falcons gave up a lot to get him. But again, nobody talks about that because the deal worked out. So again, if you get if you hit a guy and it works out, great. Nobody like I say, great. Nobody will talk about you trading up. But if it works out like a Deion George years ago, then everybody will say, well, they gave up picks to get him, and it did work out. So it's just kind of one of those just those crapshoots. You better if you're going to trade up, you better make sure that one, this is the guy you want, and two, that guy can come in and be a difference maker for your football team. Big picture thoughts on Ryan Tannehill. If if the team does trade up to draft a quarterback, even if they don't, even if they just draft a quarterback at eleven, what do you think that really means for Ryan Tannehill? Oh, I think he's still going to be a starter in 2018. They just what it what it is is they need to have a better contingency plan as far as the backup position. They had Matt Moore there. He, he's a. I still think he's a quality backup in this league. But the fact of the matter is, Adam Gates just had, didn't have the confidence in him to make him a starter, especially when Teddy Hill went down in 2016. You really didn't have a choice because you're already you're, you're like 12 games into the season, and Teddy Hill gets hurt. You, you kind of have to ride with Matt Moore, somebody that knows your offense at that point. And then Teddy Hill gets hurt in training camp. Then it, you can kind of see that Gates thought that Pitt Cutler would be a better option, whether he was or not. I mean, you, you can argue that. They, they all finished, they finished 6-10 anyway. But the fact of the matter is, Adam Gates just simply did not have confidence in Matt Moore. Uh, they're not going to re-sign him, and they're going to go in a different direction. And I think it would be best served, it'd be in the best interest of the Dolphins, just in case something were to happen to Tannehill once again, to get a, at least somebody you can groom and actually challenge him for the position and have a good insurance plan for him. But he's definitely going to be the starter this upcoming year. Just based on uh, what you're hearing from the Dolphins and kind of what you've seen, uh, your history of knowing the team, do you think that if a quarterback falls, they actually will draft that guy at 11? Uh, I guess it would depend on who it was. Uh, if it was it was Baker Mayfield for some reason, I would probably say yes. Because I, I know for a fact they really do like Baker Mayfield. They're trying to schedule a private meeting with him and, and Norman. They weren't able to. They're supposed to have dinner with him the night before his pro day, but Adam Gase and the Dolphins brass decided to stay back and and Davy instead of going to Norman, Oklahoma, to watch him practice, watch him throw, which, you know, if you know, the Dolphins have made a ton of moves free agency-wise, so it kind of made sense. So now they're trying to get a private meeting with him. Baker Mayfield, but it really just depends on who they like. I know they like Baker Mayfield. Uh, Josh Rosen is a guy I, I think they like as well. 
if one of those two guys fell, I would say yes. If it's somebody else, uh, I don't see Sam Donald falling that far, but you know, maybe. But I, I would think definitely Baker Mayfield for sure, and Josh Rosen probably they would they were looking towards taking those guys. Yeah, that's that's really interesting there. Staying with the offensive side of the ball, but looking at wide receivers. So the Dolphins traded away Jarvis Landry to the Browns. They signed Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola. Uh, the assumption would be that uh, those two guys would take over some of those snaps in the slot. You still have Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills on the outside. Uh, but then you also have two really intriguing wide receivers after those guys. You have Leonte Carew. You have uh, Jakeem Grant, you know, the, the speedster who's more of a return man, but someone who flashed at times near the end of uh, last season. So it's six wide receivers there. How do you see that wide receiver unit shaking out? Well, somebody's the eye man out. Uh, I I would think Luate Carew is probably a guy that may not be there uh, long term. They I know they traded up to get him. It just has not worked out. He hasn't been able. I know some people say, well, he hasn't gotten on the field. Where it's a it's a reason why he hasn't gotten on the field. They just don't feel like he's done enough to warrant to get on the field. And that's what it's that's what it's really about. And I mean, the King grabbed is somebody that I think is still coming along. Still a raw talent, somebody that has, he has, still has questionable hands, but he, he had a couple of good moments there. Uh, obviously, the Dolphins game against the Patriots, and you know the run against the Kansas City Chiefs back in uh, Christmas Eve. But outside of that, uh, I mean, he's still a work in progress. So you definitely want to decide to stay. The Dolphins going out and getting a Albert Wilson, and also going to get an Danny Avendola, who's somebody that's a veteran. And they need a vet- they need veteran predecessors, especially uh, leadership in that locker room, in that receiving core, especially considering they replaced Jarvis Landry. So, which is probably wasn't the most popular decision in the Dolphins locker room. And now you get at least you get a veteran in there that's able to take a business approach and kind of guide those receivers in the right direction. So, looking at running back, the Dolphins were rumored to be uh, at least thinking about Deion Lewis. He obviously is now with the Titans. What do you think that means for the Dolphins? Are they looking maybe to bring back Damian Williams? And uh, for Kenyon Drake, we saw him get uh, some pretty significant action towards the end of the season. Do you think that he enters camp as the the clear de facto lead back, a guy who gets 20 touches per game? Well, I think, well, Adam Gates has said this a number of occasions. He doesn't want a workhorse running back. He wants somebody that's going to, you know, he, he likes the tag team tandem. So that's his. That's been his philosophy. He's always he's said it many, many times. I think Kenyon Drake's going to be the guy at least initially. I know if the Broncos were able to part with ways with C.J. Anderson, that would be something the Dolphins would also be interested in with. Uh, as far as Damian Williams, they, they've. I mean, they're interested. They, it's kind of like a wait, wait and see there because they want to explore their other options, including the draft, which I think is a is loaded with running backs this year. So that could also be a possibility for the Dolphins there, which I think is a strong possibility they take a running back. I don't know how early, but at some point in the draft, because it's definitely a need, and you definitely need, even if you have King and Drake as your lead back, you need somebody else that can, you know, also carry the load as well. I, I didn't, I'm not a big fan of Damian Williams. I am, in a, in a sense, but I just think he's kind of limited in what he's able to do as far as the ground game. I think he's excellent at run blocking and catching the football, but as far as him running, like, as superior running, as far as some of the things that King and Drake does, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan in that department. Uh, you, you know, looking at the defensive side of the ball, uh, and specifically linebackers, uh, you've seen a, a number of mock drafts that have put uh, Tremaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith 
to the Dolphins at number 11. Do you think, um, I know you had mentioned earlier that you think it's likely that the offensive side of the ball will be addressed with that first round pick instead of defense. But if they do use a defensive pick, do you think that it would be a linebacker? Uh, early on, yeah. I, I think that's definitely a position of need and something the Dolphins definitely need to address. It's, it's definitely, uh, they released Lawrence Timmons. Obviously, that situation didn't work. And now they have to go out and try to address it there. I know a lot of people talked about them going after a veteran linebacker, but I think the fact of the matter is they need to address that situation during the draft because they tried the veteran linebacker route last year and it definitely didn't work. So it's time to go in a different direction and you know see see what else is out there. You had mentioned the possibility of the Dolphins looking for a running back, maybe not in the early rounds, uh, you know, maybe with a mid round pick or something like that. But is there uh, or are there a, a, a uh, are there any running backs, uh, any any guys later in the draft that you you've seen that you think you know what that guy would really fit pretty well what it is that the team likes to do? Oh yeah, I, I, it's a few of them I think I, I really enjoy. Uh, as far as running backs, I like I saw the Michelle out of Georgia. I think he can see somebody. Dolphins are looking for somebody that can not only run the ball but can catch the ball out the backfield. It has to be a decent blocker. So that's what they're looking for and. Yeah, Sonny Michelle is somebody that could do that. I like Ronald Jones, uh, Ronald Jones from USC. I think he's a uh, talented running back that's able to do that and can also play special teams. Another running back, another running back I really, really like is uh, John Kelly from Tennessee, and he's not really getting a lot of. He's not nobody's really talking about him a whole lot, but I watched him in the game against Florida last year. He just pretty much single-handedly kept the Volunteers in that game. He's definitely somebody that can catch the ball at the backfield and run it. And Tennessee has had some. Fantastic running backs as a lady. Definitely, you saw what Alvin Kamara did last year for the Saints. I'm not saying John Kelly is he's he's, somewhat, he's a little different as far as speed, but he's still kind of in the same mode as can somebody that's as just as versatile as Kamara is. Mm-hmm. And still a pretty good receiver too. That's one of the big things with Kamara. And uh, yeah, John Kelly definitely has that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm definitely a big fan of his. It's somebody that you you could probably get in the fourth round. And you get excellent value, and you don't necessarily need him to come in and be a lead back. I think it'd be a great compliment to a Kenyon Drake, somebody that could also do similar type things as well. So, uh, one last question here. I'm I'm looking at the roster, and there really isn't um, at least a, a strong veteran tight end to speak of. What do you think the team is going to do to address that position? Uh, I think at this point you got you got to go through the draft. Uh, I, I think. And you're looking at other tight ends that are around. I know they looked at Ed Dixon, from, um, former Carolina Panthers tight end, uh, some other options there. But I think I think ultimately that's kind of the reason why they, they got Amendola and they also got Albert Wilson. I mean, yeah, you definitely need a tight end. But at the same time, I, I think it's better if they go out and draft one. As opposed, I don't think it's the best tight end group as far as free agency right now. So you just go out and see what you can find maybe in the third round or so. I think that's probably the best option considering what else what else is left out there, which is not a whole lot. Yeah. Oof, that's not a good situation just considering it it, it normally it normally takes rookie tight ends a, a while or just tight ends in general, it normally takes them a while to really acclimate to the league. Yeah, it does, but I mean, just just look at what else is out. It's, I don't think it's anything as far as good quality out there. You and you tried to bring in a veteran last year and Julius Thomas, even though he was definitely not the answer. But yeah, I, I think if it was somebody that you know would definitely you know legitimately 
be an upgrade in that position, I would say, yeah. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Graham was out there, but I know the Dolphins, one, did not want to pay him a certain amount of money, and two, uh, yeah, they just, and of course, he ended up going to Green Bay. And yeah, too. I think he's a little bit. I think he's older, so I don't know how much he would give. You know how much he has left, even though he had a solid season in Seattle. But I think you're what they're going to do is they need to definitely, uh, you know, find a way to produce, produce that production, replace that production by Jarvis Landry. And the way you do that is definitely by Albert Wilson and and Demi Aladola and a tight end. And maybe you can sprinkle in some catches by King and Drake as well. And, you know, that's kind of how you do it. You do it by a uh, committee of players, not necessarily one particular player, which I think they're right now, they seem like that's a good idea for them to do. And seem like that's the direction they, they seem like they're going in. Mm-hmm. I imagine there's also probably uh, more of a desire to have Devontae Parker progress. And I believe this is his fourth season now. Correct. Yeah, they have, a, they have to decide if they're going to pick up his fifth year option in May, which... I imagine they think they will, and just simply because they can always rescind it, kind of like what happened with well, what didn't happen with Jawan James, but they had the option to do that too. So long as he doesn't get hurt, uh, obviously that's more of a concern with Devontae Parker considering his history. But yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to have them do the fifth year option and hope hope he can finally turn it around. But they, yeah, this is it for him. We got to the we reached the end of the line with Devontae Parker. I don't I, I didn't even mention him because. I, I don't. Quite frankly, I'm not so sure he's ever going to be what he is. So, it, I, if Dallas there, uh, never been a question. Athleticism, everything you want in the receiver size, but he just, for whatever reason, it just hasn't. He just hasn't been able to do it consistently. All right, Antoine, this has been a lot of fun. One last question here. With that uh, 11th pick overall in the the first round of the draft, if you had to right now predict who is going to be drafted, who do you think it is? Am I staying at number eleven? If I'm staying at eleven, um, well, well, that's a good question. I, let, let's say, let's say you are the GM of the franchise. You have the flexibility to trade. So, what would you do with that pick? You know what I? You know what I would do? I would see if I can make a trade. Possibly, um, I see if I can make a trade up. If I cannot make a trade up, then you know what I may. If if Roquan Smith is there, I would definitely take him. That's that's who I would take no matter what if I stayed in the eleven. But the problem is I don't think he's going to be there. You got San Francisco and you got the Raiders right in front of them, and, and I have to think he's going to be gone. Edmonds might be gone as well. Uh, I think Quentin Nelson's probably going to be gone at this point. Somebody else I like. Uh, it, it's 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 a lot of players that I really like that that could possibly go and be off the board at that point. And then and then now you're like, okay, let's just take the best available player. Uh, at that point, I like Derwin James. If if you if he they stay at eleven and a lot of those players I mentioned are gone, I would take Derwin James. I know you got T.J. McDonald there and you signed up to an extension, but he's definitely a player that one I, I know could come in and produce right away. And two, he played he his his safety he plays safety differently than Rashad Jones and T.J. McDonald, who two guys that are more up in the box safety. He's more of a guy that controls the field, plays sideline to sideline, and somebody that you can, you know, use in rotational situations. Also play at uh, nickel back corner as well. So that, that's that's probably the direction I would go in if, if he were to be, if we were to stay at 11 and he would be there. The good news is that uh, if all of those players do go before 11, I bet one of the quarterbacks makes it down. There, you know, just just too many too many players. So I, if they stay at 11, someone good is going to end up getting that, uh, reaching that pick. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's usually how it works. Yeah, somebody, especially if they trade up, and it's going to be so they're going to get a good player at 11. 
uh, somebody that can come in and produce. Kind of like, I mean, Larry Tussle thing was kind of, you know, unfortunate. Nobody saw that coming, obviously, until draft day. But it happens all the time. You, you project these players to be top five, and then something happens. A, a team trades up, and then one player just slides down, and they're waiting. And, yeah, you just – I'm all about taking the best play, available player, even if it's not necessarily a position of need. So if the Dolphins are in that position, I definitely think it's something they should be interested in or definitely should do. All right, uh, I just pulled up my uh, latest mock draft, and uh, I, I had kind of forgotten this. I do have Roquan Smith going to the Dolphins at eleven. So who knows? It, it might happen. Oh, that would be a great. That would be an absolute wonderful pick. I think that would be a home run pick for the Dolphins. I I, I just have a hard time believing he's going to be there. He's going to make it past San Francisco and Oakland. But you never know. Yeah, that's the whole thing about the draft. It's so it's still six weeks away. So it's still a lot of time left. A lot of things could change, but. Yeah, I, I think that would be a great pick for the Dolphins. All right, Antoine, this was uh, fantastic, and we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season. Yeah, no problem. We just finished speaking with Antoine Staley, the managing editor of the Dolphins Wire. We covered a lot. Here are some of the thoughts that I have on our conversation. Uh, we first touched on the team's recent roster moves, specific, uh, specifically with the offensive line. Uh, so the Dolphins lost Mike Pouncey, uh, and then they acquired Josh Sitton and Daniel Kilgore on the interior of the line. Sitton is a top five guard uh, in terms of pro football focuses ratings, uh, so that's a good addition. Daniels is a veteran, but he's coming off a bad season, and he's never been better than average at the position. Uh, the Dolphins kept right tackle Juwan James, who has steadily improved throughout his career. He's a solid right tackle. It was uh, a, a good move to keep him. Uh, but Laramie Tunsil and uh, Jesse Davis, they played poorly uh, last year at left tackle and right guard. Both of them are young, and they could improve, but the offensive line still needs help. And so without Pouncey and then with Sitton and Kilgore, the line is probably about the same this year as it was last year. So if the line is to get better, uh, it probably needs to come through improvement of the guys on the roster, especially the young guys and their development. Um, and that, you know, that makes sense. You're supposed to build your team through the draft and, uh, you know, acquire young guys in the draft who can get better over time. It's uh, not a great idea to try to fix uh, units on your team, specifically the offensive line, which... Uh, functions best when there's a lot of continuity along the line. It's best not to try to fix it through free agency. So if the line is going to improve, it probably needs to come through the development of the young guys and not the addition of more players. Um, They also traded away Jarvis Landry. They replaced him with Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola. Man, on the one hand, Landry, uh, he's an inefficient receiver. (laughs) I mean, there's really no two ways about it. Uh, they fed him 161 targets last year, and he got only 987 yards. Now, part of that is due to the fact that it was a, a first-year connection with Jay Cutler, who's not the best of quarterbacks anyway. So if he had stayed with the team, if he would have been back with Ryan Tannehill, uh, we would have expected some some uh, progression through that connection with Tannehill. Juan Tannehill is probably better than Cutler or maybe just as good, but then also he's more immersed in the offense and he has the better connection with Landry. Um, Landry had a defined role, uh, and that's how the team wanted to use him. He was basically an extension of the running game. 
Um, it's a small sample, but in the Pro Bowl, when he lined up outside, he was able to get deep for a long catch. A long catch. Uh, I don't think he's quite as limited as people might think. Like, I don't think he has to be used exclusively in the slot. Uh, I don't think that it's true that he can't get open down the field. I think it's just that within that system, that's how he was deployed. Um, so it is possible that Landry, although he maybe doesn't make a lot of sense for the Dolphins, maybe they weren't getting the most out of him that they could have. Uh, and maybe if they'd use him differently, he actually would have been worth what he was wanting to be paid. Uh, kind of, you know, doesn't really matter now. He's not with the team. Uh, instead, the team has Wilson and Amendola. Uh, thinking about the skill position players a little bit more, I'm not sure that Wilson and Amendola will be able to replace Landry. Um, both of them are intriguing players. Wilson has some good athletic measurables. Uh, he had some good production in college, but you know he's entering his fifth year in the league. Uh, Amendola is someone who's always flashed, but has had difficulties staying healthy. I don't, you know, I I don't know if those two will be able to replace what Landry does. And given that Landry, even though he was inefficient, was the most consistent receiver in the offense, um, it will be problematic for that offense if they aren't able to. I don't even want to say replicate, but if they're not able to replace in a similar way what it is that Landry does, because I don't know if the team's going to be able to count on uh, Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills. Uh, the two outside receivers both have flashed at times, uh, but neither one has exhibited consistency throughout his career. And, you know, at this point, you have Parker entering his fourth year. Kenny Stills, I believe, is entering his fifth year or sixth year in the league. He entered the league in, in 2013. So he's been in the league now five full seasons entering his sixth year. Um, you know, at this point, those guys kind of are what they are and they might not develop into the consistent receivers you would want on the outside. Uh, and so if they're not consistent and then you are incorporating two new receivers in the middle of the field, they might not be as consistent as, uh, the guy they're supposed to replace at that point, um, there's, you know, a lot of question marks in the receiving unit. Um, and then you have buried on the bench, Leontay Carew and Jakeem Grant as developmental players. As Antoine said, Carew is probably going to get cut. Um, there were rumblings even last offseason that he might not make the team. Uh, I think they kept him in part because, uh, you know, they didn't want to be too reactive to his failure to develop as a rookie. And so they wanted to give him a second season. Also, I think they just wanted to save some face. They didn't want to admit um, that they had, you know, reached uh, in drafting him. Um, so those are two guys who have potential, uh, but they're on the bench and Carew might not even be on the roster. Uh, Grant of the two, I mean, even though Carew had a much better profile entering the league, you know, basically looked like, um, Hakeem Nix. Uh, Grant, at this point, I think is the guy who's more interesting. I should say friend of the show, Jakeem Grant. Uh, you know, very fast, a lot of potential. So this unit as a whole, Wilson and Amendola in the middle, uh, you know, alternating back and forth, however that shakes out. Parker and Stills, and then Carew and Jakeem Grant is the guys behind them. Entering training camp, this is a unit that has so much potential. Um, but one 
it seems as if these are the types of players who might be destined to be more kind of like potential slash upside players as opposed to uh, productive, fully realized players. And then can can this unit, can players even reach their full potential if their production is dependent on Ryan Tannehill at quarterback? Uh, and I, I mean, this isn't even talking about the fact that the team also needs a tight end. And we'll get to Tannehill in a second, but this team incredibly needs a tight end. Uh, there are some good ones in this draft, but that probably won't help them. But, uh, you know, uh, Gusecki from Penn State, he would be a great fit as, uh, you know, an athletic move tight end, uh, phenomenal athleticism he exhibited at the Combine. He would fit in well. Mark Andrews from Oklahoma would fit in well. Uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, you know, small school prospect, but, uh, you know, good athleticism, great production. He could fit in well. Uh, a number of guys, but that's not really going to help the team this year. It takes tight ends a long time to develop, um, but they need a tight end. The best teams in the league have great tight ends. You just, I mean, look at the Super Bowl. You have the Patriots with Gronkowski, the Eagles with Ertz. Great tight ends create exploitable matchup problems all over the field. Um, a great tight end is probably worth just as much, if not more, than a great wide receiver. Um, because great wide receivers are, they're kind of siloed. Like you have an idea of, even if you can't defend them as a defense, you have an idea of how to defend them. Um, with great tight ends, it's much harder. Uh, how exactly do you, I mean, do you put a linebacker? Like it's, if you have a good cornerback, that can minimize a lot of the impact of a good wide receiver. But even if you have a good safety, it's hard for safeties, good safeties to cover good tight ends. It's hard for good linebackers to cover good tight ends. Uh, so this team really needs a tight end that would help them a lot. That could help out Tannehill. Um, but there's not anyone who's a free agent that they can really acquire who can give them, uh, instant credibility in production at the position. And if they get one in the draft, that player is still going to be, I'd say at least a year, probably two years away from really, uh, integrating into the offense and helping out the quarterback. And by that time, Tannehill's probably not even going to be the quarterback. Um, I mean, just just look at Tannehill. People still think he's young. He is entering his age 30 season, right? He's been viewed as a developmental guy for the entirety of his career. And he's been in the league now for like six or seven years. Um, he should be entering the prime of his career right now. Right, he's in that perfect spot. Theoretically, he should be in that perfect spot, uh, physically and mentally, where his aptitude for the game has progressed, and he is still physically able to to do the things that his mind is telling him to do. He should be in that sweet spot, but he's not there. Um, you know, he's not a highly technically sound passer, and in terms of like feel for the game, uh, he doesn't fully seem to have it the way that you would want your quarterback to have it. So he's not there. Uh, he didn't play last year. So there's a big question mark at quarterback with this team. And that gets to the topic of that number 11 overall pick. What are they going to do? Um, it's kind of a poorly kept secret that the Dolphins are looking for a quarterback. Um, and, the, you know, here's the thing. They might get one at number 11. Um, a quarterback might fall to them. 
if they draft a quarterback or if they're looking for a quarterback, I mean, what does that mean for Tannehill? Uh, at this point, he's basically just a stopgap as opposed to a potential future long-term starter. Um, but with that 11th pick, they could get a quarterback. Darnold will be gone. I imagine Josh Rosen will also be gone. Um, I think Josh Allen would pro- probably be gone. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising if Allen went with the number one overall pick. Mayfield is the guy who could be in play there. Um, that's four players. Saquon Barkley is going to be gone. Bradley Chubb is going to be gone. That's six. Fitzpatrick, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, safety slash slot cornerback. I imagine he will be gone. Derwin James has a chance to be gone. That's eight players. Quentin Nelson would probably be gone. That's nine. And then uh, Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds, that's 11. So they are guaranteed to get one of those players. You know, but what if one of the teams that's picking ahead of them prefers uh, cornerback Denzel Ward uh, or maybe Calvin Ridley? Probably not, but maybe Calvin Ridley or uh, maybe Rashawn Evans instead of Roquan Smith or Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, Maybe Maurice Hurst at defensive tackle if his heart condition checks out. Uh, So the point being, one of those quarterbacks, and if one of them does slip, probably Mayfield, one of them could be there at number 11. I don't see them taking Lamar Jackson at number 11. I think that's going to be higher than a team wants to take. And then I also think um, Lamar Jackson might seem almost too similar to Ryan Tannehill. Like Tannehill was, you know, like a, a, he was a quarterback entering college and then switched to wide receiver and and then switched back to quarterback. But a guy who was viewed as kind of like a long-term developmental guy, I don't think the franchise would want to take another guy who's kind of viewed as a a long-term project type of guy who's, uh, you know, reportedly been told he should switch to wide receiver. It just, it seems like Tannehill-esque, and I don't think the team would want to go there again. And I don't, I don't know if they would see 11 as being too high for a guy like that. I, I think probably so. Um, so I think Mayfield would be the guy if they were looking for quarterback at 11. I think it's possible. I think it's also possible that Mayfield slips down to 8, 9, or 10, and the Dolphins conceivably could move up to draft him. Um, you know, one roster move I didn't mention earlier was uh, Kong Su, right? The team cut him. Um, maybe they've beefed up the line a little bit with the addition of Robert Quinn, but that's questionable. It's been a while since he was really a top tier player. Uh, so they could draft at the top of, uh, you know, with number 11, they could draft maybe like the top defensive tackle. Um, they could get a top outside cornerback. Uh, they could get a top linebacker. Right, Antoine said that the team might look to offense with the number 11 pick, uh, but they need so much on defense. And then he said if Roquan Smith uh, were available with the 11th pick, he would be the guy. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, it just so happens in the most recent mock draft I did, I do have Roquan Smith out of Georgia going to the Dolphins at 11. Linebacker is a huge need for this team. Um, But if Mayfield is there, or if he's even kind of within range, really uh, the the team can move up for him. But bottom line, uh, they're going to get a good player at number 11. But whoever he is, whether he's a quarterback or a defensive player, he probably won't make much of a difference to the team's record this year anyway uh, because they have so many problems. Uh, Way to finish on a high note, Friedman. Uh, And that's going to do it for this Dolphins-focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz and the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. 
Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colin Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out, when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here, and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.